five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Oh, that means I got a meeting coming up, and I do. Half an hour, so I better get going. Well, we're going to have a little teaching today. <clears throat> Pardon my dust, but that's the way it's going to be. So we're going to talk about segmenting customers to drive customer value. <clears throat> and uh, this is from Panit Katira Kat. Aria, Panit Kataria. Anyway, he's the founder of Customer Success Box, and he's deeply passionate about the four product joys, the joy of innovating, the joy of selling, the joy of subscribing, and the joy of customer success. That sounds really good. <clears throat> so he's got a big background in customer success. And here's a little example in the start of his article about customer segmentation. We got a pile of buttons, and we sub we segment the green, the blue, the yellow, and the red. <clears throat> now, hopefully there's meaning to that. Um, I don't know what the meaning might be. Um, if you had spectral, you know, wavelength meaning, the blue would be up at the top, the green would be between the blue and the yellow, and the red would be down at the bottom. And that would be, you know, the frequency <laughs> of the light. <clears throat> you know, it could be the frequency of purchase. It could be a lot of things that you could segment. And so that's what uh, the article is about. Customer segmentation is grouping customers. Oops, I got a, something in the way of my mouse. Is grouping customers into different segments based on shared traits. Okay. Um, and an appropriate segmentation is key to maximizing retention, driving product adoption, increasing revenue from each customer, taking key decisions about group about the growth of business by backing up with solid actionable data. Now, there was a lot of that in this article, <clears throat> a lot of big words, a lot of stuff that I didn't understand, but I did understand this. Not all customers are equal. So we're going to get into a customer segmentation model that I built back in 1982. And it was the foundation for what became CRM. <clears throat> but anyway, um, this is like how you use the product. My un I didn't understand that one. <clears throat> this, is, this is ways to segment. You can use your CS software to segment customers based on certain, well, he said above, attributes. So use cases was like, well, some, some use a hammer as to pound nails and some use a hammer to pull out nails. So that would be two different uses of a hammer. I, I'm not exactly sure how that applies, Depends on your product. It's product specific. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, I don't know exactly what that one. I didn't understand that one at all. And there were, were no case studies in or there were no use cases about use cases. Recurring revenue. OK, that makes sense. All kinds of revenue segmentation makes sense. You know, some people think you can segment based on what you believe they're going to buy next or something like that. Not sure, but. For sure, and this is what we'll be talking about at the end, for sure you can segment them on what they've spent so far and what you think they might spend in the future and base your customer contact, your spend to keep them, your spend to renew them and reactivate them. You can base that on what they've already spent with you. Just as, you, as your CFO would say, okay, the marketing budget is 10% of last year's sales. We're going to apply to next year. That's what they do. That's how you do it. Okay, now you apply that to customer segments. And you say, okay, well, these customers are worth $10,000 a piece. These customers are worth $5,000 a piece. These are worth 
2,000 apiece. These are worth 1,000 apiece. Let's not spend as much on the 1,000 because there's, there's 10 times, 20 times, 100 times more of those little customers as there are of the big ones. And I'll show you that in a graph later. So you got to be careful how you spend your money in marketing. Location, okay, you may have sales territories, you may have language differences, and plans is much, seems like really a lot like revenue. You know, some people pay more for your service, some people pay less. Okay, so, and then he restates it again, and then he explains them. But there wasn't really any examples in this at all. So let's go over to my friend Stephen H. U., who does a great job of explaining this. So I highly recommend you go to the WDMA.org after this is over and get these two articles and compare them for yourself. So Stephen Yu, on the other hand, gives lots of examples. I understood Stephen's article, even though Stephen may be, well, probably is smarter uh, of the two because he's a really, really smart guy. Anyway, personalization underpins all marketing strategies. Now, I'm guessing, and I didn't go read this article, I'm guessing that what personalization means here is not guessing the, the offer, because Stephen's way too smart for that, but rather it means let's tailor the communication to what we know about the customer. Let's not send a customer that's worth 10 cents, let's not send them a $150 sample pack, okay, is it? Doesn't make sense. They don't have the money. You know, let's not target the let's not target me for a brand new uh, Porsche. Because if I were going to buy a Porsche, which I have thought about, but I wouldn't probably because of the maintenance costs. <laughs> but if I were to buy a Porsche, I wouldn't buy a new one because I just don't see buying the depreciation. So anyway, Stephen bought a sports jacket, and he and he. He got some extra discounts for giving his email and text message info, digits, as they say. Maybe that's passe by now. And uh, he thought he'd get a cool series of communications from that from the company. Um, even us marketing segmentation people like cool communication. However, within a few days, he just got bombarded many times a day, three to four boring messages with lists of items that that might apply not even going to the trouble of of a sequence of individual of individual items if you're going to mail if you're going to email four times a day you might as well at least feature one item give enough information about it to make it interesting maybe a picture something else like that and then you know if i'm not interested i'm not interested but why would i want to read a laundry list of all the things you might offer me when i when all i have is a name of a product and nothing interesting about it no reason that it connects with my cool sports coat or whatever he bought. So over the next two months, oh, uh, then they actually gave him a, a they gave him a, a a survey, and I've told you about the Amazon survey where I I tried to put down I'm interested in Christian books and hunting books, <laughs> and they they tagged me as a spiritual uh, <laughs> globalist or something I don't remember because the Christian wasn't there and the it wasn't it was like outdoor. And so I got these books on Gaia Earth, and I was like, so watch out how you survey your 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 customers. But <clears throat> over two months, he finally opted out for good, and uh, he said, but it was a wasted part. It was a wasted opportunity of the brand. I was really open to their communication, and then I got less and less and less and less and less opened with cookie-cutter messages. So 
they did figure out that I was male and liked casual apparel, okay? But, of course, that's a pretty broad range. So everyone has a, a email frequency threshold, and that's what we're going to talk about shortly, okay? Um, so look at individual open and click rates. See, this is personalization where it matters. This isn't personalization of I'm going to guess the next product you're going to buy because you can't. Make good offers, show good products, deliver on time, you know, deal with problems well. Those things matter, but this is actual personalization. Way to go, Stephen. Really like this, okay? Do most people scroll down pages of unsorted apparel items? No. Figure out my product affinities and display items that would grab me, please. Well, I'm not sure if you can do that, but you can get in the vicinity. You know, if if he buys a male casual jacket, don't send him cocktail dresses. You know, as I see those sometimes, they pop up and I have no idea what that was about. <laughs> and I'm not buying my wife items <laughs> from a pop-up ad. Okay, so... Bargain seekers versus fashion enthusiasts. Yeah, we did, for Musician's Friend, we did a whole array of variables to identify the people that only wanted to buy something that was on special. We marketed those really heavily when we had a sale, and we didn't market the people that really just wanted the cool stuff and would pay full price for it. Why erode the margin of the of the good buyers by by telling them about a sale? It makes them less interested. Okay, anyway, great. This is a great list. This is a great list right here. This is things to think about. What's my favorite channel, okay? What's my customer value, high, medium, low, right? Am I looking for a new new products or am I Am I looking for a deal on the old one? Am I a frequent big spender or a frequent small item buyer? All of those things are very easy to understand once you get past the first order or two. Okay, so now let's go over and show you the way I thought about this back in 1982. <laughs> okay, we had a marketing budget and I said, you know, not all customers are equal. We were, com we were integrating field sales which at the time was about a $200 per call, uh, with a telephone support network. This was for Amico Oil, for uh, Amico gas stations. And so we would call their customers. And when I started, you know, if you went to NBF and looked up gas station, you would find out that gas stations had eight employees. I ran into Hal Burnett one time on an airplane and sat next to him. And he said, yeah, we just made that up. <laughs> We said, oh, what's an average gas station look like? And so I started going around to the Amico stations. And, and, and when I analyzed the sales, what I found out was that, yeah, a lot of gas stations were small, kind of mom and pop, eight employees made sense. But over on I-80, there were some truck stops that did millions and millions of dollars worth of, worth of uh, sales. Okay, so even in gas stations, which were pretty homogene homogeneous, uh, there was an 80-20 rule. There's always been an 80-20 rule. In 40 years of consulting, there's always an 80-20 rule. There's always 20% of your, of your customers that are worth 80% of sales, and the last and the last 80% do maybe 50%. I know that didn't add up, but I'm just making these up as I go. So for Amico Oil, I segmented them like this. Okay, here's this, and this could be monthly sales probably. There were 80 customers that did 14 million in sales. There were 300 that did 8 million. There were, and if you notice the pattern here, eight, and this is this is like 
a quarter of this and this is like a quarter of that and this is like twice that and this is like twice that and there there was a formula to this and i can tell you what it is later but anyway you can see the de decline in sales per customer dramatic beyond a measure right these are worth $185,000 sales per customer these are worth $275 sales per customer okay and that is not that uncommon in business to business okay so this is was the concept the concept was let's do a different marketing contact matrix for each of these companies and so if we go over here and we look at this same basic idea and I zoomed out a little because it's hard to see the numbers but yeah we'll just leave that one that's a really big number there okay and then what we did we can maybe spread this out a little now okay what we did was we started profiling their marketing costs and what we did also was we attributed, we, we said, okay, in B2B, let's attribute a high contact cost. These are people that are going to get sales calls, and they're going to get 18, the best customers. And then the next best tier is going to get four. Quarterly, we're going to drop in on their company and walk around. These guys, still worth quite a bit of money, $10,000 sales per customer, are going to get one and that'll probably be on demand because we can take the medium cost per contact and we can call these people a lot and we can call all of them pretty much a lot because they're worth quite a bit you know when you get down to the e customers uh, we still we still call them but we almost don't call them but the sales force okay and so what we've done is we've spread out the marketing cost now right now on this model the customers are worth 289 dollars per and we're spending $400 per. So this is a little out of whack. So this should probably be like four. <laughs> we'll mail them a bunch of times, you know, and you can do the same concept if all you have is digital customers. Because you can have you can have targeted banner ads, you can have which are a little more expensive, and you can add those up. You can have email and you can have uh and you can have maybe a, a postcard going to them every now and then. The best, your best customers. And so there was a way to sort this all out. And let's go over here and see what happens. Okay, this is the interesting part. And I have a, a series of, of graphs that fall out of this analysis. Okay, so this is marketing dollars per customer, the purple or the blue, and the red is sales per customers. You want parity here. Okay, and most businesses don't have it. It's so simple. This is more like the segmentation that we're talking about. And you can even roll this out through time and do your sales projections. And that was something I was talking about last week. Okay, so you can adjust your contact cost. But look at here's the here's the trouble that here's what happens. Now this one is tuned, <clears throat> but this is not what most companies look like. This is not what most companies most companies don't have a parity here. They have, they have the sales being very low here and the marketing cost being very high. In general, the more, the more level your marketing methodology, like if you only use email, well, then there's going to be some huge customers down at this end of the spectrum down here that aren't going to get much. You can't, you can't spend enough in a very, very low cost marketing effort to sufficiently reward and retain 
the very best customers. This is a this is a principle almost no businesses get. You need a an array of contact costs. You know, a lot of times on digital, I will even talk to people. I'll, I'll talk to the president. And I'll say, why don't you give your best customers a call? You know, uh, um, Fire Mountain Gems, one of my favorite clients. We didn't do it. We didn't work together as long as I would have liked, but uh, they they sold a very very inexpensive item. And yet, for their biggest customers, they what they found out after a while when they did this kind of analysis, what they had some huge customers. And it turned out that people were buying bags of beads, big, big bags of beads. That's what they sold. And they were reselling them, like, in small packages on eBay. Okay? And, uh, you know, for a while they were a little mad. They were like, these people are competing with us. And then they, real, and then they thought about it a little bit. No, these people are our partners. They're working with us. And so, I don't know if they still do it. This was years ago, you know. But they used to fly these people in, the biggest, biggest customers. They'd fly them into Fire Mountain, and they would, and they would, uh, and they would have a big party, and you know, and 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 thank them for all that they were doing. That you know, even though their company was was selling little, little, tiny items, right? That's the way it should be done. That's the way you retain your best customers. Think out of the box. Think about sending them gifts for Christmas or something. You know, if a customer's worth thousands of dollars, you need to do something for them to say hi, to say, we I, we understand that you're one of our best. And you can. And I've done this over and over and over with businesses and business to business and consumer, all different types and sizes. This is what... The first article was talking about, but didn't give us any examples. And this is what Stephen was talking about on the receiving end, that he wasn't treated special, but he was hoping to be. That's what marketing is about. That's what seg customer segmentation is about. And over here, let's see if we got this. Yeah, we got these other cool graphs. These are super cool. And this all falls out. I can do this with your marketing budget and with your and with your customer information in a couple days. It just it it's just a beautiful thing. You get tremendous insight into into how you're not rewarding your best customers. Have a great day. Like and share. If you want the spreadsheet, give me a call. Write me, John at WDMA.org or whatever. Merry Christmas. Bye bye.